So last week we talked about the idea that you matter so much to God, that you matter more than anything to God, and, uh, and that his highest value is people. And as a church, our highest value should be people. If that's God's highest value, that should be our highest value. But, but those moments when we think that our life isn't, uh, is, is, is off track and that maybe our story isn't something that God can use, uh, in those moments, we remember the simple truth that we looked at in Ephesians, those two words, but God. And we remember how much God loves us, how powerful he is, but those two words can cancel really anything that we feel disqualifies us. And there are various things that we go through in our life that make us feel like we're disqualified. And that's just simply not the truth. And the encouraging thing from his word is that his promises are things that we can depend on. We can depend on the promises of God, but we don't because we have very short memories and because we get complacent. Um, have you ever been headed down the road and you think you know where you're going and you just don't end up there? I am terrible with directions. I don't know if I can make it to my car without asking Siri from right here, straight up. It's, it's just something I'm not good at. Um, I, I've never been good at it. Um, I just, some people have that just like extra sense of like direction. It bypassed me completely. Um, I remember a couple of times in my life where I've been on what I would call autopilot. I think you guys know what I mean by that. Um, and it's, it's been one of those times where like, I thought I knew where I was going and I just ended up somewhere else. I remember the very first day that I started uh, working at the church back in 2008, um, I drove to Carter Lumber. Um, I'd been working at Carter Lumber for uh, five or so years and before then I was working at an ad agency, both places in Kent. The only difference is one exit, okay? So I was still going down 76 East um, every single day for eight-ish years. And, uh, and my first day working at the church, I jumped in my car and I drove to the Carter Lumber corporate office and I pulled in the parking lot and everything. And I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? So I had to call the church and my very first day, I was 15 minutes late because I drove to my previous job and I was just going on autopilot. And I think we've all done that a little bit, but you know, it's funny when we're on autopilot and we're, we're just going, we think everything's fine. And it's usually not until something gets our attention that we wake up and realize, boy, I really shouldn't be going down this road right now. I'm definitely going somewhere else. Your first fill-in for today is, is this. You think you're on the right road. The fill in the blank there is right. You think you're on the right road. Going down the wrong highway um, is something that I've also done in, in a couple other areas. I remember when we first bought our house in Barberton and, uh, and we lived in green. When we got married in 2003, we, we had an apartment just right, actually right down from here, um, just a minute away or so. And uh, got pregnant and decided that we needed to buy a house, bought a house in Barberton. And when I left Carter Lumber, the first day that we moved into our house, I drove to our apartment in green and was on autopilot again. You know, sometimes you're just driving and you think you're going to the right destination. You think you're on the right road, right? I'm on, I'm on 224. I know this is the right way to go, but I, I went right past the exit that I should have gone on 
to get to where I should be going. Instead, I went to my past. I went to some place that I thought I had moved away from. When I was 19, uh, I was engaged, and uh, shouldn't have been, quite frankly, um, to a girl that is not my wife. Um, the, the situation was this. I had been dating this girl for about two and a half years, and I thought I was on the right road. I thought I was on the right road with this relationship, and, uh, and I came home every weekend from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh to see her. And, uh, and one particular weekend, it's ironic with us being near Halloween and all of that, on a Friday the 13th of all days, I catch her cheating on me with the ring on. And that was, uh, that ripped my heart out. That ripped my heart out because I had put, in, I'd put everything into that relationship. And it was a relationship, though, that was not even close to being a godly relationship. I was really good at convincing everybody around me, or at least so I thought, that, that it was and that I was doing it the right way. I was a great fake Christian. I was great at walking around, saying the lingo and doing the thing and talking the talk. And it really wasn't, um, it really wasn't even close to that. But it ripped my heart out uh, in many ways. And, and God used it to get my attention and to get me back on the right road toward his destination. I mean, for a good six months um, I was in, a, in many ways a state of depression. I, I wasn't eating. I lost weight and um, was just all over the place uh, mentally and spiritually. And about six months later is when I started dating Valerie, who I'm now married to. And, and there's a whole other story to that that we can get to some other time. But the, the thing is, God used that situation. God used that circumstance that I call to this day the best, worst day of my life. Um, because it really was probably, in the grand scheme of things, one of the worst days of my life. Um, it, it just tore me limb from limb in many ways. But quite frankly, had God not allowed me to go through that, had God not allowed that to happen to me, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be standing here today had God not allowed me to go through that. And so the next fill-in would be this. Very real change comes from being comfortable. Your next fill in there is comfortable because I, I was in probably what I would call a state of, of just coasting comfortably and not following really what God wanted me to do. But, you know, God put me through an uncomfortable circumstance, and that's probably the understatement of the day, um, so that he could change me. He put me through that so that he could change me. It was awkward. It was, uh, it was rough. I had to face some things in my life and I had to be honest about some things and some areas of my life and I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice about what I was going to do with all of that. Would I let it shape me and mold me or would I let it completely destroy me? Would I just collapse underneath of it all? When we're in a place of being uncomfortable, we sometimes have have to make a choice about what we're going to do with that. When you look in scripture, you find areas where Jesus, in many ways, uh, makes people uncomfortable. But you also see a lot of patterns in scripture. And so I want to look at scripture here, and I'm going to make it awkward for a couple of minutes during 
a good significant portion of the rest of this because I think God likes to move in awkward and sometimes uncomfortable moments. And so this is in some ways your warning, but I hope this gets your attention today about how God wants to use us and move us forward. If you look at scripture, there is a pattern when it comes to people when they meet Jesus. There is a pattern there. There is something so significant that happens to them that they can't seem to help themselves but to go out immediately and tell others about Jesus. I want you to look at this pattern. I'm just going to go through Luke 4 really quickly here. Luke 4, uh, uh, the whole book of Luke actually, but let me start in Luke chapter 4. In Luke 4, Jesus drives out a demon-possessed uh, man, and Jesus is teaching in the temple, and there's a man that's there that's possessed, and he starts screaming at Jesus. Jesus heals him. The man goes out and tells everybody about him. Luke chapter 5, there's uh, a man that Jesus comes in contact with who has leprosy, and he asks if Jesus is willing to heal him, and he does. And Jesus tells a man not to say anything to anyone, but the man goes out and tells the whole town anyway, because he just couldn't help himself. Luke chapter 7, Jesus comes to a memorial service, and he raises a dead boy um, to life of a widowed woman, and news spreads all over about him. Luke chapter 8, Jesus comes to a man in a cemetery who's possessed. He drives out the demons into a herd of pigs. You might have heard this one before, and the pigs dive off the cliff and drown and, and all of that. And the man is so thankful. He asks Jesus, can I follow you? And Jesus says, no, you need to stay and tell others about what happened here. And so he does. Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10, Jesus sends the disciples out. They're, they're meeting with Jesus, and he sends them out. And they go out, and lives are changed, and, and, uh, and all kinds of, of, of great things happen. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is telling the story of um, the Good Samaritan. And at the end of that story, he tells everybody there, now go and do likewise. Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals another man with leprosy. And it, he immediately praises God in front of everyone. Luke chapter 19 talks about Zacchaeus, one of the most hated men in town. And he meets Jesus, and he's moved so much that he sells half of his stuff, and he gives it to the poor, and then he pays back everybody that he wronged four times over, and people come to know Jesus through all of that. Let's go over to John chapter 4 real, really quick. Woman at the well, she meets Jesus, and she goes into the town after meeting Jesus, and many people are saved. There's a pattern here. When people meet Jesus, something happens. And that's the next fill-in. There's something that happens when you meet Jesus that requires action. There's something happens when you meet Jesus that requires action. And that was his intent. Jesus actually gave us an action plan. We were never meant to just keep this all to ourselves. We call it the Great Commission, and it's in Matthew chapter 28. Listen to this. Beginning in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Verse, I've also heard this referred to as uh, the cause of Christ because it's the greatest cause that there ever could be. But here's the deal. If we aren't on the right road, if we're not going down the right road, then this action plan doesn't happen. If we aren't going on the right road, this action plan doesn't happen. And if we don't think we matter, then we can't be commissioned to follow what Jesus is calling us to do. It all just becomes head knowledge, and it's not really changed to our heart. You know, if you were to ask the average churchgoer the message of Christianity, just ask the average churchgoer the message of Christianity, you would probably get something like this. So the message of Christianity is that, uh, is that God loves me, and that he loves me enough that he sent his son uh, down to die for me. And then they would probably just stop right there. But we stop there. And all those things are wonderful and all those things are true. But that's not all of it. That's not everything. But we like to stop there because when we leave it at that, God loves me. Who then becomes the object of Christianity? It's all about me. See, the reason that that relationship ripped me apart so much is because it was all about me. It was all about me. I was much more concerned with what I wanted, with what I thought I should be doing, and the plans that I made. I wasn't even considering what God wanted for my life. What was his best for me? Now, what mattered were my plans, my goals, me, 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 but that's the world we live in, isn't it? It's all about the selfie. <laughs> me, me, me. Do I have the right filters? All of that stuff. You could take that analogy really far. But here's the deal. God loves me, and he does. But that's not the entire message of Christianity. The, in, the message of Christianity is not God loves me, period. As if we are the object of our own faith. The message of Christianity is that God loves me so that I might make him, his ways, his salvation, his glory, his greatness known among all nations. And then when you do that, now God is the object, as he should be, because God is the beginning and the end of all of this anyway, because it's all about God. See, we need to put on Jesus. That's your next fill-in. We need to put on Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, tells us that we need to clothe ourselves in Jesus, that we need to put on Jesus in our lives. So let's read this, beginning in verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. And let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, the idea that the church is the body of Christ out in the world is not something we just read in this book. It's something that we should physically be. We should 
as Christians, we should basically be little Christs out in the world, reaching people for him. Christ really just means that word. It's not Jesus' last name. It's, it's his title. It means anointed one is really what it means. And as followers of him, it says in 1 John chapter 2 that we are anointed as followers of him. As people, we are to be the physical representation of Jesus in the world today, his ambassadors. That's what that means. That's how much you matter to him. Think about that. That's how much you matter to him. Because you might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. That's your next fill-in is Jesus. I know you might have heard that before. That statement's almost become cliche in some regards, but it doesn't make it any less true. You might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. You have no idea if the people that you interact with today will ever have another chance to meet and experience Jesus. The people that you interact with today, wherever you go after this, you might be God's last line of defense. Think about that. You know what drives me nuts? Stupid drivers. People, right, I'm getting some amens. <laughs> so there's this four-way stop in Barberton that I go to quite often. And I feel like I'm the only person that knows how to do a four-way stop every time I get there. And it's, it's not that hard. If you don't know, right, it's, it's kind of first come, first serve. If you're, if you're the first one there, right, and it goes all the way around, okay? But what happens when everybody gets there at the same time? And so you're sitting there, and you're like, you know what? I'll be nice. Go ahead. And then the other person's like, no, you, you can go. And you're like, all right. Well, oh, oh, well, just go. Why don't you go? And then, and then they're like, no, you can go. And then and you're like, all right. And so you start going, and then they go. And you're like, come on. <laughs> Seriously. Just go. And there becomes an amount of... After a while, you just quit waving, right? Because there's a certain amount of times that you can wave before you can just stop and go. And that number is eight, by the way. And after that, you can just say go. But it's, it's funny because nobody seems to know at that intersection what to do. And everybody's just really hesitant and pumping their brakes and all of that. Or what about when you're the second person in line on a stoplight? You know what I mean? And, and the light turns green and the person doesn't go immediately. You're like, come on! And you're beeping at them. We all do it. Don't look at me that way. Right? And you're like, come on, go. And they don't go. And it's funny because you think about those circumstances and you think about those instances. And I think, and I think isn't, isn't that maybe the way that God looks at us? He's waving us and he's saying, go. Here's an opportunity right here. Go. And we're like, oh. God, you go. And he's like, no, 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 no. You need to go. And we just wave him. No, God, you go. And we just pump the brakes. And it's kind of funny to think about. But how often do we not take the opportunities that God puts in front of us to just tell people about him, to love them in Jesus' name? Because we're just waving for someone else to go. We're waving for maybe God to do it. The potential of Connect Church lies in the strength of its people. We said that last week. It's still true today. And it's going to be true moving forward. 
and for Connect Church to keep moving forward, but more importantly for you to keep moving forward in what God has for you to do, we need to stop doing this and we need to start going. But we get, we get in this place where we maybe don't think that we can or we don't think that we can move forward. And a lot of us are kind of like stoplights. And so I want you to look at yourself here for a minute because I want to give you three different examples because there's different kinds of people that represent the different kinds of stoplights. All right, so if you're on red, then these are the people that are just stopped. Their view is stuck at God loves me, I'm good, I like my Jesus, and I'll just go to him when I need it, and I'll, I'll just keep Jesus all to myself. That's, I'm, I'm fine. That's if you're on red. If you're on yellow, that's kind of like a normal yellow light. You're always on the fence. You, do I gun it? Do I not? Do I just sit here? Maybe I'll just inch up a little bit. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm really uncomfortable. That's maybe you if you're on yellow. And then there's green. Some of you just got it. Some of you go. And, and that's, that's great. Keep going. Go. You're on the green light. But, but how do you go maybe from one to the next? How do you, how do you move forward? in that regard. And I, I want to give you a couple of things on that. If you're on red, how do you go to yellow? If you're on yellow, how do you go to green? These aren't in your notes, but you can jot these down. And it's just really three, three steps. And the first one would be to admit. Number one would be to admit or acknowledge, we could say. So I really just want to challenge everybody right now. Be honest with yourself. Which light are you on right now? Are you red, yellow, or green? Be honest with yourself. And then step two would be to ask. And here's what I mean by ask. If you want courage, you ask God for it. You, you kind of start there with asking him. Prayer is a great place to start. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So do, does he make you courageous? Not necessarily, but he'll give you the opportunities to be courageous and grow in that area. He's not going to change who he designed you to be as a person, but he's going to give you opportunities to do that. I like to call them divine appointments. Every day, every week, you are presented with some divine appointments from God. Do you choose to take those? Or do you just wave them on by? Because they're there all the time. Because we're not meant to keep Jesus to ourselves. I would challenge you in this regard to pray. To, it's almost a dangerous prayer in some ways. Pray for God to give you a divine appointment. And I would be willing to bet that before this time next week, he will drop a couple of divine appointments right in front of you. And then it's up to you to decide what you're going to do with that. Are you going to go? Or are you going to just wave them on by? See, if you want to be this extremely bold person, that may not be who God wired you to be. And that's okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that your personality needs to change. All I'm saying is our radar needs to be up. Our radar needs to be up and we need to be able and willing to ask God to give us opportunities and to give us maybe the courage and the strength to move forward and to take those opportunities when he presents them to us. 
if you want to be like the people that were listed in, in Luke, that I went through there, pray that well, God, God will give you opportunities to share. And then that brings you to the third one, which is act. To act or to take action. You need to take the opportunities that God gives you and to notice them. As I mentioned, your personality is the way it is for a purpose. You're going to be able to reach someone that, that I'm not. I realize I'm a little bit of the type A sort of person, and you may not be. And you're like, what do I do with that? God's going to give you opportunities to reach people that I could not or that the person sitting next to you could not or the person sitting behind you could not. There are people in your life that God has specifically put in your life for you to reach, but are you just waving them on by? So admit, ask, act. And these three simple steps are going to help to shift your perspective as you move forward. And, and what's that perspective shift? Well, we really need to shift our perspective from me to he. And I know grammatically that's not correct, but it's all about he. And that one letter makes all the difference in the world. Because the culture of Connect Church needs to be all about Jesus. It's, it's in the name, in the mission statement, is to connect people to Jesus Christ. It's why you wrote down the name of Jesus three times in your outline today, if you didn't notice that, if you did write it down. Because it's all about Jesus. And so then we go to Ephesians 2, again, in verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then skip to verse 7, which is really kind of the crux of today. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. See, God wants to use you and your story to make a difference for the kingdom, regardless of your story. He is allowing you to go through it or to have had gone through it for a reason because he wants to use you and you need to keep your eyes open for the opportunities that he's going to give you. And that's why my connection point for the day is that you matter so much that he wants to use you. You matter so much that he wants to use you. And we forget that because we think our story doesn't matter. We think that what we've gone through disqualifies us. But here's the deal. The people that are around us, the people that we come in contact with, we can't explain the love, the forgiveness, the grace, and the experience if we've never experienced it for ourselves. You're never going to experience any of that unless you have Christ, unless you have him in your life. And if that's you, if you've never experienced that, if you've never put your full faith and trust in Jesus before, there is no better day to do that than today. I would love nothing more than to talk with you, to pray with you, if you're not sure about that, to show you in God's word how much you matter to him. And for the rest of us, maybe we're stuck on a light. Maybe you're stuck on one of those lights, red, yellow, Maybe you're, not, maybe you're not to green yet. 
And here's maybe a little bit of the awkward part. Are you being honest with yourself about that, about where you are on that? And are you willing to take a step to move forward? 